1: I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode.
0: Coming up on this week's show.
1: Welcome, welcome. Another episode, episode 14, to be precise. In this episode, we ask the question, what is leaky gut? And why do you need to know about it for digestive and mental health? Now, the title really just says it all. I remember walking through an airport and seeing the caption, Do you have leaky gut? On the front of Women's Health magazine and smiling as if it seemed finally that these terms have crossed over into the public vernacular, and of course, this was actually when we could fly. As a side note, shout out to all of my peoples living in the snow dome of Hong Kong right now. We can't leave. It's like the Truman Show. Anyway, enough of that. The term leaky gut and its symptoms and causes are becoming highly ambiguous to my patients and readers alike, and this is why in this episode I'm going to attempt to clear up some of the confusion and look at some of the key points to simplify things a little bit more a Little more. And to help you perhaps prioritize your understanding of leaky gut and along with uh, what some next steps might be. So, who's actually at risk of leaky guts? That's a pretty good start. And what causes it? So, as of the beginning of 2022, depending on when you're listening to this, that's when I'm recording it, there are many different hypotheses around what makes the gut leaky. And there are, they are as varied as you could possibly imagine. Generally, activities involving some kind of stress on the body comprise the bulk of this list and uh, once again this list is incredibly broad so the top of the list starts with what we see in some of the research so things that have been proven things like endurance exercise non storal anti-inflammatory use and pregnancy yep pregnancy that was the top of it. that was the top three that what actually did a proper research-based search that was what came up so other potential causes which are a little more tangible Uh, would be things like antibiotic use via the creation of high levels of the opportunistic bacteria that can aggravate the intestinal lining or barrier, high fat diets and other commonly used food additives such as emulsifiers often found in things like coconut milk, big one, big one food additives. And I always forget to mention psychological stress as well. So it's easy to see why in many cases you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't when it comes to leaky gut but let's not get too stuck on these things and spend some time exploring what these stresses do by getting to know the intestinal barrier a little more intimately whilst it's possible to do some solid research using the term leaky gut your best bet if you are research or scientifically minded is to use the term intestinal permeability this different definition refers to the notion that the intestinal lining can become more porous or leaky, if you like, but under the influence of very various forms of stress and is, in my opinion, a little clearer in the sense that the permeability can actually get better, uh, whereas a leak you know, may need some work. But why do we care about intestinal permeability so much? Now, the intestinal barrier that we're referring to here is the interface between the environment outside the body and the sensitive environment within the body. So let's look at this intestinal barrier a little more. A functionally intact intestinal barrier allows absorption of nutrients and fluids, still and concomitantly prevents harmful substances such as toxins and bacteria from crossing the barrier out of the tube of your digestion and reaching the body where it can trigger the immune system. The barrier itself is made of a few different layers or components. Now, the first layer consists of active parts of the immune and digestive system that produce antimicrobial substances that protect the lining from being colonized by undesirable organized crime-like opportunistic bacteria that you can come through the consumption of food or inhaled uh, in the sense of things like mold. So I'm sure if you've listened to some of the episodes, uh, the other episodes of Friend Inspired Radio, you would have heard of some of these immune and digestive components, but For the sake of the people who haven't or are new to the show, welcome. These components include things like bile, which is secreted into the small intestine from the gallbladder, gastric acid, so that's produced in the stomach, pancreatic juice uh, secreted into the small intestine from the pancreas, and other forms of bacteria that have a probiotic or think positive effect against these undesirable forms of bacteria. Now a microclimate containing water, mucus and immune cells within the intestinal lining strengthens or further strengthens the intestinal wall's physical barrier and here we see higher quantities of bacteria fighting molecules and immune cells again such as an immune system component you would have heard of previously, secretory IgA, so that's an immune marker that we see in comprehensive stool exams that you can get tested circulating and keeping guard these are very very important immune cells so that once again undesirable species of bacteria don't form colonies on the lining breaking down the barriers to the bloodstream so maybe you're actually seeing a bit of a theme here the main aim of a lot of the components that build up the intestinal barrier is to stop undesirable bacteria forming colonies on the lining and then causing the inflammation that can lead to this increased intestinal permeability so the body is taking various measures to stop this from happening which may actually give you a clue of how important it is consider that this microclimate that we just mentioned's primary purpose is to protect the sensitive epithelial cells within the final layer of the intestinal barrier but wait a minute What are in epithelial cells? I think that's a good question and essential when we look at how intestinal permeability forms. So let's take a little left turn and talk about epithelial cells for a second. Epithelial cells are similar cells bound closely together to form the lining of many body surfaces. Just think of bricks on a wall. You're not going to use different types of bricks. You're going to use the same type of bricks and that's very similar to how epithelial cells are so you can find epithelial cells in the digestive respiratory and urinary tracts and the glandular system and the brain which will be important soon but here's a sneak peek of where we're going here intestinal uh, epithelial cells that get inflamed or infected can initiate an immune response via increasing inflammatory cells attract the appropriate immune cells to the problem site so i'll just say that again epithelial cells that get inflamed or infected can initiate an immune response via increasing inflammatory chemicals or cells that attract the immune system to where the problems are So whilst they're considered the most sensitive part of the lining of the intestinal tract, epithelial cells also secrete their own antibacterial substances to support the work of the layers we've previously discussed and we're going to be coming back to this later and just remember that I mentioned that epithelial cells are very heavily concentrated in the brain as well and it all makes sense. First, I think this might be a good time to take a little bit of a break, gather our thoughts, and when we return, we'll deepen our understanding around the lining, the epithelial cells and their contribution to this and its composition, And so it's clearer from where these links are coming. That was an intense bit of information there. I hope you stay with us, and we'll be back with more of Free and Inspired Radio after the break.
0: to take a break. Are you enjoying this episode of Free and Inspired Radio? There's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty. If you want to connect with more Free and Inspired episodes, simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show.
1: Yes, yes. Welcome back to episode fourteen of Free and Inspired Radio. Thanks for hanging out with us here. We're doing an introduction to leaky gut and the journey of leaky gut and why you need to know about it when it comes to your digestive and mental health. How did you go with part one? I think that I was trying not to put it together too technically. I hope it wasn't too technical the majority of the time I think I get it right but if it is too technical let me know in the comments and reviews because the aim here is for you to learn about how this works not to be caught up in jargon and fancy terms and all that kind of stuff so if you feel like you want more explanation if you feel like these are a little technical for your understanding let me know let's get back into it in part one we looked at some of the structures of the intestinal barrier And we introduced epithelial cells where a lot of the interface between the digestion and the bloodstream occurs. And this is where we're going to pick up for part two of the show today. So there are three different pathways where molecules can cross from the intestines into the bloodstream. And two of those pathways are managed by something called tight junctions that regulate what passes through the bloodstream and what doesn't. These tight junctions are the link between the epithelial cells. So if you're thinking about a brick wall, think about the mortar between the bricks. And here you have the tight junctions. Consider them, or at least metaphorically, (laughs) uh, consider them similar to immigration at the airport where molecules queue to gain permission to access the body, if that helps. Um, It's here where actually things begin to unravel though for for those who are experiencing the stresses we mentioned above. So once again, inflammation, overgrowth of bacteria, these are the types of stresses that can break these tight junctions down. So currently, there are a few reasons why the tight junctions within the intestinal lining can become more porous, uh, although it seems more work is needed on the research front to confirm this, even though if you're involved in natural medicine, the concept of leaky gut I mean, is old as can be. But if you actually look into the research, it still needs a little bit more uh, clarification in its understanding, if, if that makes sense. The proposed godfather of leaky gut, or at least the first person to identify the process of the loosening of the tight junctions in a lab is NIH head Alessio Fasano, or at least I think he's still the head of NIH. And he states that one of the breakthroughs in intestinal permeability was the discovery of a molecule called zonulin. Now, a molecule, he says, is the only physiological intense intestinal modulator described so far so basically an imbalance in gut bacteria that colonizes on this intestinal barrier even after the best efforts of the immune components above or you know that we mentioned previously create a disproportional amount of this sonulin leading to the tight junctions losing their integrity. So I'll just repeat that again. The imbalance of gut bacteria that colonizes on the intestinal barrier even after the best efforts of the immune system creates a disproportional or or higher amount of the zonulin that we mentioned and that zonulin then breaks down the integrity of the tight junctions imagine if immigration to use this as a metaphor again had one desk manned and then another desk unmanned and you could walk through either one so which one would you go through you if you're anyone if you're living in Hong Kong you're going to go through the unmanned one because you've got to get home (laughs) but if you know most of the time you're going to go the easiest route right and this is where that leaky gut kind of element comes through so if this loss of integrity continues via continued response to higher levels of levels of zonulin this the adaptive immune response so if you listen to other episodes of the podcast the adaptive immune response is the one that's more focused out of the two immune systems it gets more active and it creates further inflammation so this process inflames the tight junctions even further and this becomes a self-perpetuating cycle so the zonulin gets too high creates its own version of inflammation and then the adaptive immune system responds to that high level of immune of zonulin and creates more inflammation And that's how that cycle goes. And you can think that as that inflammation just compounds itself constantly, then we start to see the epithelial cells and those tight junctions start to lose their structural integrity and become leaky. So whilst it's possible that The overgrowth, you know, primarily the the bacterial overgrowth caused an increase in zonulin. It's also been found in high levels in people living with celiac disease, suggesting that gluten is also a significant trigger of zonulin. And this is interesting also for those living with or Thinking about gluten in the sense that non celiac based gluten sensitivity uh, patients often see that pop up in um, comprehensive stool tests and things like that. So it, it's an interesting one there. It's thought that gluten is actually mis- misinterpreted by the zonulin system as a, as a harmful antigen, thus leading to inflammation, and then further suggesting that the zonulin production is primarily a defensive response. A response, though, that depending on the source you refer to can lead or cause a host of consequences around chronic disease. So, intestinal permeability or leaky gut doesn't just cause digestive problems, its effects can be vast. Don't get me wrong, leaky gut has substantial research around its contribution to irritable bowel syndrome or IBS and inflammatory bowel diseases such as Crohn's disease. Conditions, though, with limited research, meaning that we might be wrong, but we're not sure yet, associated with leaky gut or intestinal permeability, notice I'm kind of using those terms interchangeably, include the following, asthma, autism, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, eczema, psoriasis, depression, chronic fatigue syndrome, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, obesity, metabolic syndrome, and rheumatoid arthritis, to name more than a few. Now, an important note on this list is that we're yet to understand the deeper mechanisms behind how intestinal permeability causes these conditions on a deeper level. There are theories though, and I've referred to these theories just a little bit before. Gram-negative bacteria that colonize the intestinal lining, creating the zonulin response we discussed previously, have a particular habit of releasing endotoxins called lipopolysaccharides, commonly known as LPS. These LPS molecules due to their proximity to the more porous tight junctions we touched on before get into the bloodstream causing chronic low grade inflammation and that's referred to as something called metabolic endotoxemia so you can look that up if you want. As this form of inflammation continues to rage on over time, it causes broader systemic inflammation across the body, hence why the list of conditions mentioned before are actually mainly associated with high levels of inflammation. Now, let me pause and take a break from the transcript and the, and, uh, the direction here and explain a, a way of thinking about low-grade systemic inflammation. So, imagine you had a pot and you left that pot on the stove at the lowest possible flame, and you went to work and forgot about it. Chances are that when you got home, you freaked out about not burning your house down, or potentially burning your house down, but that low flame didn't really affect the integrity of the pot too much over the course of that 12 to 24 hours. Now, imagine if you left that pot on that low flame for weeks, months, or years that low flame would slowly but surely affect the integrity of the pot and this is what we're referring to with the problems caused by low-grade systemic inflammation in that it's not enough for you to feel pain all the time but it will slowly slowly degenerate and slowly uh, affect the tissues and organs in your body over time. So a little bit of a diversion there and this is getting very long but you can see why these details are quite important. So what do we need in the future to learn more about this? I think that's really important. So one of the critical things we need to see in the research, or at least at the time of doing this episode, is that the correction of intestinal permeability helps with the prognosis of some of these non-gastrointestinal-based conditions that we've listed previously here. From an anecdotal point of view, Clearing gram-negative bacteria and rebuilding the digestive and immune systems afterwards have led to good outcomes for my patients, which I think is a good start. But you didn't you, I, I think it's always important to kind of suggest that there's a reality here. There are very limited research studies looking at the correction of intestinal permeability and the successful follow-on correction of conditions. So hopefully over time and with you know the right research methodologies and the correct you know, application of maybe natural medicine or other things, we're going to be able to prove that the correction of intestinal permeability or leaky gut leads to the correction of these deeper conditions. Moving forward though, you didn't expect an episode of free and inspired radio not to include the brain and gut connection, I hope. I didn't think so. So look, let's look at the brain-gut connection in relation to leaky gut. So this particular connection actually stuns patients. And I remember I was just as, as amazed when I heard it postulated by Dr. Karazian or Dr. Didis Karazian almost a decade ago. But if the theories are true, it explains how this type of inflammation is attributed to many psychiatric conditions. So here we are. Leaky gut leads to leaky brain. Now, specifically, a leaky blood-brain barrier. So, remember when I asked you to remember the epithelial cells in the brain? Well, the same epithelial cells that create a barrier in the intestines actually also create a barrier for the brain. And the channels or tight junctions are also part of the immigration process, if you like, of molecules that can get into the brain so if the brain becomes more permeable we start to have a few problems so this leaky blood brain barrier bit was first found in my studies or mouse studies in 2014 when researchers concluded that the gut microbiome or microbiota influenced the blood brain barrier and its permeability A further discovery launched the the concept further when researchers realized that small bacterial molecules, such as the LPS molecules that we mentioned previously, can leave the intestinal barrier and travel to other body sites, including the brain, causing more inflammation in the process. As an extension to this, I remember an article I read on Science Direct where they were doing autopsies on Alzheimer's patients and they were... I guess for want of a better way of describing kind of chopping their brains in half and they were finding these bacterial molecules that we just mentioned in the brain or evidence of them um, in in these patients so it's a, a pretty pretty crazy thing but if you if you're a regular listen to the show you'll you'll be used to telling me that uh, used to me telling you this ...that this subject or leaky brain that we're talking about very much deserves its own deep dive and its own episode and I'll definitely be doing so. But to express the importance of leaky brain, the scope of mental health conditions such as depression and neurodegenerative disorders such as MS or multiple sclerosis and Alzheimer's disease is the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this leaky brain concept... So what is intestinal permeability and why do you need to know about it to solve your digestive and mental health problems? That was the question of the episode, right? Suppose these theories we've discussed in this episode are accurate in the case that we may be looking at the origin story of a large proportion of the chronic illnesses that people in our modern society are living with not just the mental and digestive ones or oriented ones that we you know we focus on for you our listener in this show but more i mean diabetes for example or obesity or arthritis i mean these are things that people live with on a very large scale for them furthermore whilst we haven't explored the solutions much here natural medicine has the tools and testing facilities to gain a quantitative and personalized intervention now these, uh, I mentioned next steps in the beginning of the show, and some of these next steps would be something you, you hear me recommend a lot, which is to go and talk to someone about it, go and talk to someone who's seen thousands of cases of leaky gut, for example, and get some testing done. You can see Evidence of leaky gut in low secretory IgA that pops up in comprehensive stool analyses. Uh, I know the GI Map does zonulin levels. If you're interested in zonulin, and that's going to get a deep dive episode as well because zonulin is incredibly interesting. There are, as I said, many different ways you can use uh, stool testing. Specifically, if you're in the US, there are other measures you can look at. LPS markers. Uh, to get a sense of whether or not you have leaky gut, uh, there, I guess you're getting the point. We can test for the intestinal permeability markers and we can also test for some of these gram-negative bacteria that we, we mentioned that can cause the inflammation that lead to the leaky gut side of things as well. So hopefully we've got some information here for you about an origin story for some of those mental and digestive Uh, conditions that you're looking to help with i hope it's helped and i hope maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel or at least some form of explanation as to what the hell leaky gut is what do you think i think i guarantee once again this won't be the last episode on intestinal permeability or the leaky brain stuff and i guess as a sneak peek i remember sitting in a conference in 2019 and i did one of the sessions with a really cool cardiologist and he was like leaky gut leaky brain but what about leaky heart and leaky lungs and he spent 60 minutes scaring the hell out of a lot of us (laughs) around how these epithelial cells they you know line some of these other organs and they can have their own problems with permeability but i digress there's so much to unpack here and i hope at least for this introductory episode you might understand why leaky gut occurs how it occurs and whether or not it might be appropriate for you to look into. Before we finish this episode of Free and Inspired Radio, which I think is a record length, so thank you for getting this far. If you'd love to hear more from me, Philip Watkins, and get the word on new articles, podcast episodes, and more, jump over to the website, philipwatkins.health, which will be launched in a few weeks, and join our community via the newsletter. Sign up on the homepage there. You'll be able to see the transcript for the show as well as at the same place where you'll be also able to see the references that I've used to create this episode, which on last count, I think there were 22. If you're interested, for some reason, I've created this weird weird reference count at the end of each of these podcast episodes. Your reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify help me get the word on the street. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. It's always appreciated. If you're listening to this on YouTube, once again, thank you for getting this far. Throw the video a like and subscribe to the channel to see when new podcasts are uploaded. For those who are celebrating the Year of the Tiger this year, Kung Hei Fa choy, and I hope you have a very, very lovely week with your family and friends. For those who aren't celebrating Chinese New Year, I hope you're all doing really well. And once again, I always really appreciate the good vibes that I'm hearing from people about this show. I'm trying my best. I'm doing the reps. I'm not overthinking it. And hopefully, I'm going to be able to continue to offer you some good, solid information that you can rely on. For now, we'll be back with you next week. And thanks for being with us on Free and Inspired Radio.
0: You made it to the end. This show is all about you, and we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.